Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. I want to welcome you to another week of this series entitled Boot Camp. And what we've been doing is walking through some spiritual disciplines that we see in Scripture. And we said we got to get back to some of the basics. We've forgotten some of them. And if you were here a few weeks ago, you know that we talked about fellowship. And we talked about biblical, uh, biblical literacy, getting into the Word and making sure that we're in the Word. And then, of course, we talked last week about discipleship, being discipled and discipling others. Today, I want to talk to you about prayer. So grab your Bibles, head over to uh, Hebrews chapter 4 with me this morning. That's where we're going to start. And I just want to throw out a disclaimer real quick before I get going to let you know that prayer is such a, a big thing. I mean, it, it encompasses so many different things. Uh, there is no way I'm going to be able to cover all of it in the next 30 minutes. I just can't. We could spend months on this subject. And so I, I, just right off the bat, I'm just telling you, I feel like I, I'm short-selling prayer. I really do because there's just not, we don't have enough time to get into every bit of it. But what I want to do today and my goal today is that maybe to open your eyes to a little bit of of what prayer is, challenge you in such a way that over this next week, my prayer and hope is that you will pray, my prayer and hope, get it? My prayer is that you will pray bold prayers, that you will be confident in your prayers this week, and that you will pray more often this week. And so that's what I'm hoping to see. That's what I want to challenge you with today. Uh, Because I I think if we were honest, we would have to say, if we looked at our prayers, that we pray some really, really weak prayers. Would you agree with that? Like we are super weak in the prayer department. Uh, Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Alrighty, alrighty, amen, dig in, right? And this is what we do. We just kind of get into this mode where we're just throwing out these prayers like they're nothing. And what we need to understand today is that prayers are a conversation between us and God, and they need to come from the heart. Like, God's not so concerned about all the little details of your prayer. He wants to hear your heart, but somehow we think that a prayer has to be better, like it's got to be really eloquent. And so we find ourselves copying other things and, and almost uh, becoming like King James Version uh, prayers, you know. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless us. Thou is this dayeth, or blah, whatever. We just start tacking the on the end of everything. And somehow we start speaking a different language. And, and God's like, no, 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 I want to hear your heart. I want to know you. Uh, the other problem that we have, I think, is we get into ruts. We'll say the prayer, uh, same prayer over and over and over again. Every day, at five o'clock, we sit down at the table with the family and we say the same prayer over and over and over again. And if we're honest, we'd have to say, man, if I have to do that again and if I have to close my eyes, I'm going to fall asleep in the middle of it because it's boring. And my question is, if our own prayers bore us, I wonder if they bore God. We can do better. We can definitely do better. So what is prayer? Let me give you a definition. We're going to start with this this morning. We're going to build off of this. Prayer is keeping company with God who is already present. God is already here. He just wants a conversation with you. And it's this idea of keeping 
company with him. It's sacred. It's this divine dialogue that takes place. It's a needed conversation between us and our Heavenly Father. And if you don't know this, I want you to know this this morning. The truth is, prayer matters. There is great power in prayer. And I'm speaking not so much to those of you that are new to the faith, but I'm talking to some of you that have been in the faith for a long time, and you've kind of like gotten really lax with your prayers. You've kind of let some things go because you're not even sure now if God's even paying attention. I want you to know today that your, your prayers matter and that they are powerful. God loves your prayers. He loves you and he cares about all the things that you have to say and he wants to hear your heart. Not only that, but God wants to speak to you. He wants to give you direction. He wants to speak into your life as well. Do you know that your prayers actually move God? Like when you pray, it moves God. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 4. It says, let us come what? Boldly. Let us come boldly. Like not, not shy, not passive, but let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We can come before God in all boldness. I, my prayer is, is that you would pray some bold, bold prayers this week, some dangerous prayers Pray, pray some, I mean, ask God for the impossible. God is still in the business of doing miracles. I don't know if you know that or not, but he is. And we short sell it all the time. We just kind of like, God, if, I hope. And it says, come boldly to the throne, knowing that, that you are his, that you are a child of God. We, prayer is one of the deepest longings that we have. It's important to us. It's something that we need in our lives. It points out a basic human need that we have, that, that we are incomplete, that we're in need of something bigger than ourselves. And no matter what culture you look at, no matter what time frame, all the way from the beginning of mankind, you will find some form of prayer. We know that, that we have a relationship with our creator God and, and that when we pray, we are talking directly to God. It, we know that we need that. There's something that is incomplete in our lives and we need God to be a part of our lives. Thomas Morton, uh, Merton said it this way. He said, prayer is an expression of who we are. We are living incompleteness. We are a gap, an emptiness that calls for fulfillment. And prayer fills that. It allows us to find our meaning and our purpose. It, it connects us with the God that created us and has a plan for our lives but yet we are so confused by prayer. Many times if we went around the room and asked you, each of us to kind of explain prayer, I think we'd have so many different definitions because we're not really sure what it is and many of us wouldn't even be able to describe it at all. There's a lot of confusion about prayer, but even though there's a lot of confusion, we pray a lot. Do you realize that? We're not really sure what it is, but man, we, we spend a lot of uh, time in prayer. There's a Gallup poll out there that says today more Americans are gonna pray than are gonna exercise. That probably doesn't surprise you. But more Americans today are going to pray than drive their car. Uh, more Americans are going to pray than have sex. Um, maybe that's what they're praying about. I don't know. But it's that idea that, that we pray more than we do anything else in our life. We, just, we spend a lot of time in prayer. And even if you talk to people, 9 out of 10 Americans will say that they pray daily. But yet, when you look at the statistics that talk about, hey, um, 
are you a believer? Do you believe in God? Do you declare yourself as a Christian? Those stats are much, much lower. You know what that tells me? That whether they say they're a Christian or not, they're praying. That everyone is praying. But while we're praying, uh, we, we struggle in understanding what prayer is. Uh, with all this praying, I think many of us, we even view our prayers as a burden. If we went around and talked to everyone, we, we would say that we're dissatisfied with our prayer life because we're not real sure about what it is. You know what the problem is? Uh, many are just, we misunderstand prayer. We don't understand what it is. We don't get it. Uh, we misunderstand prayer, especially Ricky Bobby, right? Um, dear eight pounds, six ounce, baby Jesus in the manger, right? And we laugh about that, but here's the reality. Hollywood's even making fun of us because we don't even know how to pray. Many of us, we think prayer is only uh, get out of jail card. We pray only when we're in trouble or, or we need a favor. It's kind of like the four-year-old that was taken into the adult services in the sanctuary and mom and dad said, if you behave, you can stay in here. And he started cutting up. And finally, dad said, look, if you don't, act, if you don't straighten up, I'm taking you out of here right now. He kept acting up. Dad threw him over his shoulder, started marching out of the sanctuary, and the kid understood prayer because he started yelling at everybody in the sanctuary, please pray for me. But even as adults, some of us as mature Christians, we think that's the only way that prayer is used is when we're in trouble. Uh, Jonathan Atkin was a former member of the parliament in Great Britain, and he was writing about his walk with Christ and his early stages of, of prayer and his relationship with God. And I loved it because he, he likened it to a bank manager. This is how he wrote it. He said, I spoke to him politely, visited his premises intermittently, occasionally asked him for a small favor or overdraft to get myself out of difficulty, thanked him condescendingly for his assistance, kept up the appearance of being one of his reasonably reliable customers and maintained superficial contact with him on the grounds that one of these days he might come in useful. I hope you don't see prayer that way, but unfortunately I think many, many of us do. It's just something that we do because we feel like we have to. Uh, turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, go to verses 9 through 13. We need to know how to pray. We need to know why we pray. We need to know how we do it and, and why we do it. And where, you know, where, what is the purpose of prayer? Because many times we don't even have a clue as to what we're doing. We just think, hey, God, help us, thanks, and, and amen. And that's the conclusion of our prayer. Uh, there was a story about a southern pastor who had a prayer meeting, and he was inviting everybody in the church, if you have a need, just come up front, and we want to pray uh, for that need. And finally, old Leroy got up, and he walked to the front, and uh, the pastor set a chair down, set Leroy down, said, tell everybody, what do you need prayer for, Leroy? And he said, I need prayer for my hearing. And so right away, man, the pastor just latched his hands onto both ears of Leroy, and he went to praying, and pretty soon the whole congregation's praying, and they're really getting into this fervent prayer for Leroy's hearing. After a while, everything kind of died down a little bit. Leroy uh, is still sitting there with his ears covered, and the pastor takes his hands off, and he goes, Leroy, how's your hearing now? And Leroy said, well, I don't rightly know. My hearing ain't till next Tuesday. <laughs> kind of missed the point, right? See, we can do better, right? Like, we can figure this out. And honestly, we make it more complicated than what it is. We, we do struggle in understanding prayer. And I, I'm not saying that to make you feel bad, to shame anyone, make anyone feel guilty, because uh, we're in good company. Do you know the disciples struggled with it as well? Uh, th these are 12 guys that walked with Jesus, and they still went to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Why? Because they didn't understand it. And Jesus actually taught his disciples 
to pray by providing an example. And it's an amazing example. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And some of you may have read through this. This will probably uh, sound familiar to some of you. But I want us to take a look at this a little bit more in detail. Hopefully, you'll hear it with new ears this morning. Take a look at this. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Now, let me just stop for a minute and ask this. Does that sound different than the opening to your prayer? Because this sounds different than mine. Mine's usually, God, help me, right? I'm in trouble. Jesus, I need help with this, right? But, but he starts off by saying, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Don't miss this. What he's saying is, look, I'm here to bring glory to you. That's why I exist. He goes on to say, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me ask a question. How does God bring about his will on the earth? It's through his people, through you and through me. You know what he's saying? Help me to know what it is that I need to be doing today. Direct me, guide me so that your will may be done right here on earth. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. That's a big line right there. Some of us, we're afraid to even pray that, aren't we? And yet he puts it in there. And Jesus knows it's going to be a problem because directly following this in verses 14, he gets into a whole thing about why forgiveness is important. Because if you don't forgive others, God's not going to forgive you. He says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It's not, hey, help my day to go smoothly. Help me get my front parking space at Costco, right? He's like, no, I don't care what comes. Just rescue us from the evil ones. God, just, just keep me secure in you. That's all I care about. And do you know that you can actually pray this prayer verse by verse if you want? Jesus gave it to us. You can, you can own this prayer. You can pray it. You can memorize it. You can meditate on it. And you know what I love about this prayer that's just fascinating to me? When you read through this, there's something missing in this prayer that you and I add all the time. Uh, how do you end your prayer? Anyone? How do you end your prayer? Amen. Yeah, right? Uh, do you realize there's no amen on this? Now, some of your translations might have an amen in there, but that was added later. That's not part of the original manuscripts. There's no amen. I love that. Do you know why I like that? It means like Jesus intended for this just to be a start. This is the start of a dialogue. And then you just flow into your conversation with God. Whatever, whatever comes out of your heart, that's what he wants to hear. It doesn't end. It goes on. And actually, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, never stop praying. Never start praying, stop praying. The NIV says pray continually. New American Standard Bible says pray without ceasing. Now, our thinking about prayer, whether right or wrong, is based on our own concept of prayer. Do you know that? If you think that prayer is only at night when you kneel by your bed and, and fold your hands in a certain way, then you're going to struggle with this verse, right? Because how do I do that when I'm driving? God can only hear me if I'm on my knees and I've got my hands folded, Right? No, no, it says never stop praying. That means no matter where you're at or what you're doing, that God's right there with you and he can hear everything that you're saying. Uh, now, I want to give you a different concept. If that's the concept that you have of prayer, let me give you a correct concept. I want you from now on to think about prayer. Uh, think about it as breath in your lungs as you're breathing or the blood in your veins as your heart is pumping it through your veins. You don't have to think about breathing, do you? You don't get to lunch break and go, ooh, I'm a little short on breath, I need to breathe a little bit more. You don't do that, right? You don't have to concentrate to make your heart pump more blood. It just happens. It's all part of life, and that's the way you need to think about prayer. 
Prayer is this constant dialogue. Do, do you remember our definition? Our definition is, is prayer is keeping company with the God who's already present. He's already there. You're just constantly having a dialogue with him, constantly talking to him. God, you know what? I'm really struggling right now. I can feel myself. I'm kind of spiraling downward. I know where this took me last time. And I just need you right now. God, this person that's coming toward me, I'm struggling with them right now. Oh, man, I'm struggling with them. Would you hold my tongue? Actually, God, would you give me something encouraging to say to them? Help me be a light for you. God, my thoughts are starting to run off. Can you help me pull those back? You see what I'm saying? It's a constant dialogue. It's keeping company with a God that is already there because he loves you and he wants that dialogue with you. It's not an exercise. It's not a, I do it at lunchtime and that's it. It's a lifestyle. It's a life of just constantly in conversation with this God who loves you and gave himself up for you. Be aware of anything that stops you from offering up a prayer. It says never stop praying. I I want us to maintain this childlike habit of offering up prayers from our heart to God all day long, every day. Why don't we do that more often? See, I think one of the reasons why uh, we don't pray without ceasing is because for many of us, if we're honest, we really don't believe that God is answering our prayers like he's listening to us. And again, I'm not just talking about new people to the faith. I'm talking about people who've been walking with him for a very long time. You might be going, well, you know, I prayed that my daughter was going to come out of the hospital and that didn't happen. So I'm not so sure that God even listens to my prayers anymore. Let me ask you, do you expect God to answer your prayers? Do you expect him to answer your prayers? Based on past history, based on your relationship with Jesus, do you expect him to answer your prayers? Because if you don't, then you're going to struggle with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He said, for everyone who asks, what? Receives. He goes on in, verse 20, or in chapter 21 to say, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. And if you're one of those that have said, hey, I, I prayed and God didn't answer it, you're going to struggle with this verse. Really, anything? I can ask for anything? I'm, I, I've talked to so many Christians that have told me, hey, I, I just don't know if God's listening to my prayers. I, I don't think he really answers me. And actually, we use that phrase, unanswered prayers, a lot. I'm sorry if you like Garth Brooks, but that dude got it wrong, all right? You know, how, you know why I say that? Because Jesus never mentioned unanswered prayers. He never did. Let me, let me say something to you. I hope this opens up your mind a little bit about prayer, and I pray that it drives you deeper into your relationship with Jesus. Let me just say this. Um, Jesus never talked about unanswered prayers, actually just the opposite. He had unlimited certainty of knowing that his prayers were always going to be answered. So if you're thinking, well, there is such a thing as unanswered prayers, let, let me give you a definition. Unanswered prayers is just simply a prayer that God didn't answer the way that you thought he was going to answer. That's it. So can I say it this way? God always answers prayer. Always. There is no exception. When you pray a prayer, God hears it. It's not getting blocked. You know, we got so many satellites up there. Maybe it's bouncing off of one of those. or You know, I, I don't know what you think. But God always hears your prayer. And he always answers your prayer. And get this. God answers prayer in the best way, not just sometimes, but every time. Now, with with that being said, let me just say it this way. 
it might not be the way that you thought. And it might not happen immediately. It might not even be in your time. But God does answer your prayers, and he answers it the best way. The, the only question is, do you believe that? Isaiah 55 says his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. He's doing something greater and bigger than you could ever imagine. And there's, his whole will is unfolding. And so he answers your prayer, yes, and it might not be in the time that you want it. It might not be the way that you want it. But God hears them and he answers them every time. Now, let me ask you again. Do you expect God to answer your prayers? And I hope so. I hope before you leave here today, you're like, nope. I believe that God hears my prayers and he answers. Because for me, that's an amazing statement. That God will always answer my prayers in a better way. And you know what that leads me into? A deeper relationship with him because then I trust him. I just go, God, you know what you're doing. You got a bigger plan. You got a better plan. And I trust you. However you want to answer this, just, just take care of it, God. And use me in the midst of that. Grow me up in the midst of that. Now, it doesn't always align with what I think. And I'll have to tell you something. I've learned that my common sense sometimes uh, can wreak havoc on my prayer life because I find myself telling God how he's going to answer certain prayers. Do you ever do that? God, I want you to answer it, and this is how I want, uh, this, is, this is the result I'm looking for. Like, we think that we know better than God. That's exactly what we're saying in that moment. You realize that? That we've got a better plan than God. And, and what I have to do is I have to understand that my common sense, man, if he, if he answers a prayer that doesn't align with my common sense, that's actually a good thing. Because if God answered prayers every time, according to my common sense, do you know what a puny God he would be? And he'd be, not, he'd be a little bitty thing, man. But he's got a bigger plan and a better plan than I could ever imagine. Does God hear your prayers? Does he answer your prayers? Some of us, I know, we struggle because we're like, well, God, you know, he's got all these people around the globe. There's millions of people that are praying and all these different prayers. And when I'm in my room and I'm praying, does he actually hear what I'm saying? And see, in that moment, we have a problem because what we're doing is we're tying God to our own reasoning, our own, our own knowledge, what we, our own resources, our own abilities. That's what we're doing. And, and therefore, we struggle in, in believing that God hears our prayers when we're just one out of millions. Uh, in our men's Bible study this last week, we had a guy, we were talking about this very subject, prayer, and we had a guy that had a great point. He just said, you know what? When I think about God listening to my prayers... I think about it like customer service. He's in customer service, and he says, look, when people come through the doors, in that moment, they are the most important person ever. He says, I give them my full attention, and when they're sharing with me something they're working on or something they need or a problem that they're having, that is the biggest issue at that moment, and I take care of that. I, I help direct them. I lead them. I do whatever. Get them the parts that they need. Whatever it is, that is the most important thing, and he says, you know what? He says, when I pray, I imagine that. That God, when I pray, God looks at me and goes, this is the most important thing right now. I'm going I'm to meet with you. What, what, what do you have going on? I want to hear about it. Now, if you're struggling in how God can do that for millions of people all around the globe, God is all present, all knowing. See, when we think of him in the same terms as we think of ourselves, he can't do that. But understanding who God is, you start to realize that he can give you 100% of his undivided attention, you 100%, and you 100%, and you 100%, and me 100% all at the same time. And that's what he does. 
And I thought that was a great way of putting that. I was like, that's awesome because God is standing right there going, I want to have a conversation with you. I love you. I gave my life for you. Talk to me. Give me your heart. Just speak to me. He gives us his undivided attention. But here's the twist. Do we give our undivided attention back to him when we pray? See, maybe that's where we're missing it. God's not messing it up. So today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn over to Psalm 139 because I want us to learn how to pray today. And there's not one particular prayer, okay, but I'm just going to point one out to you because when you look through Scripture, you're going to see tons of different uh, prayers. You're going to see prayers for uh, search me and break me type prayers. You're going to see send me prayers and uh, confession, prayers of healing, prayers of praise, unity, blessing, guidance, boldness, salvation, help, rescue, all of these different prayers. There's tons of them in scripture. And, and by the way, do you know why there's so many different types of prayer? Because there's a bunch of different types of people experiencing different situations all through scripture. And think of it this way. If you met with your best friend for lunch one time a week for an entire year, 52 lunches, right? Would the conversation between the two of you be the same every time? No. No, it'd be different, wouldn't it? I mean, there'd be some common themes, but the conversation would be different. That's why there's so many different prayers in Scripture. Because there is no one set prayer. But I want to teach you one today because I have a challenge for you. There's two things I want you to do this week. First one is I want you to pray this prayer that I'm getting ready to show you. Because I believe that if you do this, instead of asking God to do something for you, you'd be asking God to do something in you. And I think that's going to change. That'll be a great foundation for you to start growing in your prayer life. The other thing is I believe that this prayer has the potential to correct you, to convict you, to redirect your life. And I'll just be honest. Um, I think if you prayed this prayer from the heart, I think it would wreck you. I really believe that. Uh, Let me show you what I'm talking about. Psalm 139, verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out everything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, when we read that, we go, that's a nice verse. But when you start thinking about what that really means, King David wrote this while he prayed that, if you really think about this as a prayer, man, it, is, it gets deep. Why? Because our hearts are deceptive. You know, God said in, in Isaiah 29, he was talking about his people. He said, look, they say that they're mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And I, I'm afraid that for many of us, that's our prayer. Like we're giving him lip service, but, but our hearts are far from God. And, and I want us to change that this week. If we pray this prayer, I promise you this, it's going to wreck you you're going to start to align your heart with God. And the key to this is not just to pray it, but to listen for what God would teach you in it, what he would say to you, all right? So let's take a look at this. The first part says, search me, O God, and know my heart. You ever told God, just search me? Like, like you have all of me, just search me. Even the areas that I pretend like you don't even know. You ever done that? Know my heart. You know my heart's deceptive, God. Know my heart. Help me. Teach me, or I'm sorry, test me. Have you ever said, test me to God? Oh man, right? Test me. See if I'm truly yours. See see if I'm your disciple. Test me. And it goes on to say, and know my anxious thoughts. Man, that one's scary because what I fear the most shows what area that I trust God the least in. 
know my anxious thoughts. Let me ask you, where does your anxiety lie? What do you fear the most? Are you gripped with fear about the future of your marriage because things aren't going so well? Are you overwhelmed with worry because uh, you're not sure how to pay that next bill? Are you paralyzed with worry because um, you worry about the safety of your children? Are there areas of your life that you have not given over to God? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See, our fears matter because they show where we are actually putting our trust in our own abilities, our own resources, and not in God's power. And when you start to do that, when you start saying, hey, God, test me, show me these things, he's going to start showing them to you. I love the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul is actually talking about, he called it a, a thorn in his uh, flesh. And here, here in this passage, he says, listen, um, I prayed three times that God would take it from me. So he's doing the same thing we're talking about this morning. He's praying, God, here's what I'm dealing with. Would you take it from me? It's a worry that he has. And, and, and here's what he says about it. Each time he, talking about God, each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. He's got a fear. He's got something he's dealing with. And he says, would you take it from me? And God's like, nope. And see, normally we'd go, well, God didn't answer my prayer. Paul doesn't look at it that way. Even though he was fearful about it, he gave it to God, and God said, no, because my power works best in, in weakness. So Paul goes, hey, now I can, I can actually boast about this because I know that God's got it. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. See, in life, uh, you, can, you cannot be driven by fear. You need to be led by faith. Faith does not mean that you're never afraid. It just means that fear is never going to stop you. You just push on in faith. First part of verse 24, it goes on to say, point out anything in me that offends you. What do you think offends God? Sin. Yeah. You know what he's saying? Reveal in me the sin that's in, in me, in my life. Show me where my life doesn't line up with yours. You want to talk about a prayer? This is what I mean by it's going to wreck you. Because there are things that all of us know that we're doing right now that God would not approve of. And if you say, God, um, point that out to me, he's going to point it out to you. And then you have a decision to make. Are you going to do anything about it? And, and by the way, sometimes God will not just speak, like he won't speak audibly to you. Sometimes he, he reveals things to you in a different way. And, and in a situation like this, hey, I'll point out anything in me that offends you. Many times God may use other people to show you. I've learned in my own life that when I have two or more people that love me, by the way, not enemies, but I'm saying people who actually love me and care for me and want the best for me, when I have two or more of those people that come to me and point out a problem in my life, it's probably a problem. Have you had somebody telling you, hey, um, you drink a little bit too much? I got this, man. Seriously, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. You're spending way too much time on that video game. Ah, man, I'm good, right? Uh, you pick the wrong person to date every time. You need some help to pick people that you can date. Be careful with the words that you say because I, I can see how it's cutting your spouse every time you say those types of things. Nah, it's just our, it's our relationship, right? 
Are there things that people are trying to help you realize that you're trying to rationalize? If so, you need to be very careful. Because honestly, our ability to rationalize sin is crazy scary to me. We are good at it, aren't we? Um, Proverbs 12 says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. It's the fool that says, nah, I got it. I've learned in my life that anytime somebody is approaching me about something in my life and I get defensive about it, it's time for me just to shut, just shut up. Just listen. Listen to them and listen to what God would teach me in that moment. Because when I'm getting defensive, that's usually a big red flag that it is a problem in my life. I'm getting defensive about it. Uh, I found that the more convinced that I am right about something, the better chance I am, that I'm, it's better chance there is that I'm wrong about it. Because I'm trying to protect it, I'm trying to defend it. Uh, the last part of this prayer that I want you to pray this week says, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, we, we don't want just God just to point out the flaws in our lives. We want God to show us how to go the right direction or to do the right thing. That's what we want. In our addiction classes here, we talk all the time about the fact that you can't just stop an addiction. You actually have to turn around and do a 180 and you have to pursue something else. You have to, you have to put a positive uh, thing in place of a negative thing. You, you have to pursue something else. That's the way it works. He says, um, point out everything in me that offends you. Show me the sin. And then he says, and lead me along the path of, of everlasting life. Some of your translations say, lead me along the path of righteousness. Show me the right thing to do, to pursue. Um, this is an important prayer, guys. And I promise you, if you'll do this, if you'll take this challenge this week, the few that are of you that are brave enough to do it, you're going to see some amazing things this week. You're going to grow in your walk with Christ. Your prayer life is going to skyrocket because you're going to realize that God is standing there giving you 100% of his attention and he wants to hear from you and he wants to speak into your life. And if you open that door, search me and test me, he's going to do it. He'll do it. Why? Because he wants to meet with you. He's just waiting for you to return that. If you, if you reciprocate that, God's going to meet with you in a big way this week. I pray that you'll follow this challenge, that you'll do it. The, the second part of this challenge is just to show up this week to attend our, our vision prayer night. We have a vision prayer night coming up. And uh, some of you know that our elders got away a month ago. We went to Phoenix. We, we did some vision casting and talking about where God uh, was leading this church and what he wanted to do in this church. And so on Thursday night, uh, we want you to show up uh, October 28th. That's this Thursday, 7 o'clock. And we're going to gather together, and we're going to spend a lot of time in prayer. Why? Because there's power in prayer. Why? Because God answers our prayers. And so what we're going to do is we're going to share with you some of the vision and where we're going as a church. And I know that if you come, you're going to be blown away hearing about what God has in store for us here and what he's doing. And uh, not only that, but we're going to join together in prayer. Now, if you show up, are you going to have to stand up and pray out loud? No, we're not going to ask you to do that. But you will hear a lot of other people pray. And we're going to ask you to join your voice with ours in prayer as well. And, and sometimes the best way that we can learn how to pray is by listening to other people pray. And so I want to challenge you. Man, uh, read through Psalm 139, 23 and 24 this week. Put it on your mirror. Do whatever you need to do. Pray through that. And let God do what only God does. And then I want to see you back here Thursday for our vision prayer night. Prayer is one of the ways that we can talk to God and how God talks to us. You have a God who loves you 
who wants a a deeper relationship with you. He wants you to know him better. He's just waiting for you to take that step. This week, may we grow as we keep company with a God that is already present. Can I, um, this is going to be an odd request based on that message, but can I pray for us? Can I do that? Would you join me in that? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in this moment, and we just ask that you would meet us right where we're at. God, we got people in here who are really struggling because um, they, they feel like you don't hear them. And Lord, I pray this week as they would open themselves up, that you would be very tangible to them, that they would experience you like never before. And God, I pray that uh, the requests that they offer up, that they would see your hand in, that you would, they would see your response. God, I pray, uh, especially for those that are going to take this challenge this week, if they pray Psalm 139, that in those areas, God, that you would move mightily in their lives. And I know you will because you want to draw them close to you. You want them to look more and more like you. God, help us just to uh, commit ourselves this week not to throw up these um, mealtime prayers and call it good, but to really, really spend time keeping company with you because you're already present with us. God, we give you all these things. We ask that you would use it to mold and shape us into people that look more and more like you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said.